what you have for us today. And Lord, we don't take your word lightly. We don't take your encouragement lightly. We don't take your challenges lightly. But we choose to have ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying and wants to say. And we have hearts to embrace and to put into practice what you're teaching us. So we thank you for your grace that's available to honor and obey you. And we just give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. I'm going to continue what I started last week on a, um, on a series called Holy Spirit, Your Helper, Comforter, Teacher. This is part two. And uh, started a series called The Equipping, The Equipping Series. So hopefully things you hear will be that which will encourage and equip you um, to grow up in the Christ. And what I want to share today is six keys to having a growing relationship with Holy Spirit. You know, we started uh, a few months ago, and I started talking about going back to the simple gospel, that the gospel of Jesus Christ is very simple, very basic, but it's very powerful. And a lot of times we get make it all complicated and difficult and hard to understand, but it's not really that hard to understand. Jesus said, follow me, and we choose to follow him or not follow him. We choose to submit ourselves to him or not submit ourselves to him, and those who give Put their faith in him. Those who say, Jesus, you're my Lord. Confess him with your mouth. Jesus says, Lord, and believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead, the Bible says you will be saved. You're called being born again. You're a new creation in Christ. His spirit has come to dwell inside your spirit, and you're a new creation. And all of a sudden, as Candy was sharing earlier, God sees you differently. He sees you through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That means all that Jesus accomplished has been put on your account. It's been put on your account. It'd be just like if a billionaire made a deposit in your bank account, which currently reads three or four cents, and then you go check your balance on on your device, and it has $1 billion. It's like, what? First of all, there'll probably be a lot of celebration But then you realize you've received something that you didn't deserve, that you didn't work to do, but all of a sudden it's been put to your account. And that's the same thing Jesus did. He put his righteousness on our account. God sees us through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus said to follow him, and so as believers, we're following him. We don't just agree with Jesus, but we believe in him and we're following him. He told told the men, uh, James, Peter, John, he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Remember that? So they dropped their nets, everything they did, and they began to follow Jesus. So when we say, I'm a Christian, biblically that means you're a follower of Jesus. In America, that's not necessarily the case. A lot of times, being a Christian is just lip service. It's, I agree with this ideology. And that's not what Jesus was talking about. So we've been talking about following Jesus. Now, towards the end of when Jesus was talking to his disciples, he, was, he, he lived or walked with them for about three and a half years. And then towards the end, you know, we're familiar with the Last Supper. And then Jesus says, I'm about to go, I'm about to leave, go back to the Father. And he said, it is to your advantage that I go away. And last week we talked about what that meant. Why? So I'm not going to go into all that. But he said, it is to your advantage that I go away. Because when I go, I'm going to send back the Holy Spirit. And you remember in in John chapter 14, verse 12, Jesus said, those who continue to believe in me, basically my followers, followers, the miracles, the works, miracles that I do, shall you do also. He said that. He said to you who are following Jesus, the miracles that he did, you shall do also. I said, now how is that possible? We know what Jesus did. We know he healed the sick, raised the dead, cast out demons, delivered people. He did all kinds of things, multiplied food. And he said the miracles, he he calmed the storms. And he said, the miracles that I did, you shall do also and greater things because I'm going to the Father and he's going to send back Holy Spirit. So if you're ever wondering why, that wasn't just, Jesus wasn't speaking metaphorically that we were going to do the things he did in greater. He wasn't just speaking through metaphors. He was speaking specifically. 
that you're going to do the same things that he did. That's his commission to us. That is our privilege. That is our charge to do the very same things that he did. Now, how in the world are we going to do that? By our good looks? No, you guys are very good looking, but that's not going to cut it. Not by our ingenuity or our intelligence, you know, our PhDs or our, our whatever intelligence we have. That's not what causes miracles to happen. That's not what sets people free. But when he said, I will go and the Father will send the Holy Spirit, it's by the power of the Holy Spirit that's going to enable you to do the very same things that Jesus did. And so one thing we need to realize who we have We have technology problems. That's what we have. And so I want to share six keys to having a growing relationship with Holy Spirit. Number one, Holy Spirit is given to us by our Heavenly Father through Christ, through Jesus, when we're born again, or, and when we put our faith in Jesus. So Holy Spirit is someone who is given to us by the Father when you were born again. John chapter 16, verse 7, But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. This is Jesus talking. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. So he gave us Holy Spirit as a deposit, as a down payment, as a sign showing, hey, everything I promised you will receive. And here's a guarantee of that promise, Holy Spirit. Jesus says, when I go, I will send back the helper. And so Holy Spirit is someone that we receive from the Father. And number two, Holy Spirit is God. It's important for us to realize that Holy Spirit is God. He's part of the Trinity, which is very complicated to understand. But He is God. And so we want to understand that we're not just receiving an influence, a mist, a force, a something. But God Himself comes to dwell with us and in us. Acts chapter 5, verses 1 and four, one through 4. You guys remember the story of Ananias and Sapphira? Anybody remember that? It says, But a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property and kept back some of the price for himself with his wife's full knowledge. And bringing a portion of it, he laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to who? Holy Spirit. And to keep back some of the price of the land, while it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not under your control? Why is it that you have conceived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to God, but to, excuse me, you have not lied to men, but to. So first he says, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to Holy Spirit? And then he says, you have not lied to men, but to God. Holy Spirit, God, same one. So we understand that Holy Spirit is God. It's important to realize that. And number three, he is given, he, Holy Spirit, is given to us to help us, teach us, guide us, and comfort us. John chapter 16, verse 12 through 15. I still have many things to say to you. Now, this is what Jesus was saying to his disciples right when he was about to leave, right before he's about to be crucified. So he's saying these things to him. He says, I have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into some of the truth. Oh, excuse me, I misread that. He will guide you into all of the truth. He will guide you and I into all of the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. John 14, 26, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. 
So he will teach you and remind you of what Jesus said. You know, in the, in the um, Greek, the word helper, I can't pronounce this word, but it's like parakletos. Um, and it means intercessor, consoler, advocate, comforter. One summoned to come alongside, especially to one's aid. He's an intercessor, a person who intervenes or on behalf of another, especially by prayer. So Holy Spirit is your helper. He's your comforter. He's your consoler. He's your teacher. He's your guide. He's your friend. He's all these things. He's called to come alongside you to teach you God's ways, to lead you into God's ways, to teach you and remind you of what Jesus said. That's his role in our lives. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 4. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. Read that again. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. So Holy Spirit has different roles that he plays in our lives. It's an, and it's important for us to understand and realize that so that we can utilize and benefit from what he has for what he has for us. You know, there's a, there's, when we go through hardships from difficult times to unbearably difficult times, Holy Spirit's desire is to comfort you. And understand that there is no one who can comfort you or I like he can. There is no one who can comfort you like Holy Spirit can. <clears throat> that doesn't mean he's the only one that can comfort you. Because biblically speaking, we see in the scriptures that we need Holy Spirit and we need each other. We need both, not one or the other. We need Holy Spirit, we need His comfort, and we need each other. Because the Bible says to, to rejoice with those who rejoice and to mourn with those who mourn, right? So we know that we need both, one or the other. If you're only receiving comfort from one or the other, you're not receiving all that God has for you. If you're only receiving comfort from people, it's good. We need that, but you're not receiving all the comfort he wants you to have, you to receive. And some of us spiritual types who receive all our comfort, or we think we are, from Holy Spirit, but we don't need people. I'm good. We're good. Me and Jesus, we got this. I don't need y'all. You're still missing out on a lot that God has in store for you. You know, sometimes when I find myself going through difficult times, whether they're frustrating or, you know, where your soul gets tied up in it, and it may not be, I'm not talking about necessarily just tragedy. I'm not talking about that right now. I'm just talking about frustration. Circumstances are not going your way. They won't change. It's just crazy. And you're just frustrated. You're discouraged. You want to hurt people. You know, you're just, you're just angry and all that kind of stuff. When I find myself in those circumstances, in, the, in that state, it has only been Holy Spirit. I'm not going to say, no, not only been. He has helped me in ways that people have not been able to. I mean, he'll break, something will happen, and I can't necessarily explain it. A lot of times what I'll do, and I, I'm thinking of this one particular time when I was very frustrated, and I was, I was doing a job where I was delivering uh, food, or I worked for Order Up. I did that as a part-time thing. And, they, and I can't remember the circumstances now. <laughs> shows you how important they were. But I remember I was in a very frustrated, very frustrating situation. And I kept avoiding him. I don't want to talk to him. <laughs> and I was being encouraged by people, which I needed. I remember one brother really encouraged me. 
in that circumstance. But there was something else that happened only when I got with him in his presence. Something shifted. See, a lot of times we need people to come alongside and and lift us up and and walk with us and say, hey, bro, you're not alone. I got you. I'm with you. You know, and, and we encourage one another. We need that. But then there's also something we need that only Holy Spirit can do when it, he, he needs to adjust our attitude or shift something in our soul or, or whatever when we, make, when we open ourselves to him. And so I'm not trying to belittle the importance of each other. I hope you're not hearing that. But I'm trying to emphasize the importance of getting with him and allowing him to speak to you, to comfort you, to encourage you. You know, when, we, when we're going through really, really, really difficult times and we can encourage each other, especially if I've gone through a, a real tragedy and then Cornell goes through another, a, a tragedy that's similar to what I went through and then I receive comfort from the Lord and then the Bible says I'm able to encourage and comfort Cornell with the comfort that I received. Does that make sense? And that's why it's important for us to have each other. And when you're going through something and you're talking with someone who can understand or you feel like they can understand, it, it brings encouragement to your soul, to your heart. But hopefully what that'll do is that'll make you hungry for his comfort. And that's what we should do. When we comfort one another, when we encourage each other, we want to do all we can to comfort but we want to make them hungry for the comfort of Holy Spirit. Because think about it. If Cornell was encouraged by me with what I can offer, and I got it from him, and he's getting it secondhand, imagine what he's going to get if he goes and gets it himself from the Father. So he's given to help us, to teach us, to guide us, to comfort us. Number four, he, meaning Holy Spirit, speaks the language of God's word. He speaks the language of God's word. He speaks the language of God's word. And this is why it's important for us to read and to feed on God's word so that we know what it sounds like when he is speaking to us. If it doesn't line up with God's word or God's character as revealed in his word, then it's, prob- it's not Holy Spirit talking to you. When Holy Spirit speaks to us, he speaks the language of God's word. And it's important to understand that. Remember, Holy Spirit has been given to us to help us, but he is God. So he is someone to be worshipped, to be reverenced, to be feared, to be adored. A lot of times when we, in America can do is we make God in our own image. In other words, we hear what we want to hear and we say, Holy Spirit told me. The Holy Spirit told me to do this. Holy Spirit told me to do that. Have you ever heard people say, yeah, the Lord told me to do this? And you're like, what? That might have been a spirit, but it wasn't the right one. People say some crazy things. God told me to do this. I remember one time I was talking to a man. This was years ago. Him and his family were coming to church here many years ago. And we were talking. And he said, brother, God told me to do this and this and this. And I said, brother, God absolutely did not tell you to do that. (laughs) And I was serious. And he looked at me like, who are you to tell me what God said and didn't say? Because what you are saying does not line up with God's word or his character. But he was convinced. And people do that. They say some crazy stuff and they put it on God. God this, God that. If it doesn't line up with his word and his character, it ain't God. And this is why it's important for us to know the word of God, to immerse ourselves in the word of God, to feast on God's word. So we know what it sounds like when he's talking to us. 
You know, Chuck speaks Mandarin. Is it Mandarin? And English. I'm grateful for the English so we can communicate. But if he were to talk to me in Mandarin, if he were to just start talking to me in Mandarin, first of all, I wouldn't know it. Is he talking to me? I wouldn't maybe not catch if he's talking to me. And secondly, I would have no idea what he's saying. Now, if all he spoke was Mandarin and I wanted to have a relationship with him, then wouldn't it be important for me to learn to speak Mandarin? And the more I learned, the more I spoke, the more I'm going to recognize when he's speaking to me, I'm going to say, hey, I know what you said. I know you're talking to me. You're calling my name in Mandarin. You're talking to me. A lot of people don't recognize. They say, man, I don't hear God speak to me. Because you're not recognizing his language. See, the Bible says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We have to be transformed. Our thinking a lot of times is stinking. Because we have believed, we have grown up believing lies. We've been feeding on things that aren't true. And so our thought processes and our mindset is a certain way. So a lot of times when God speaks to us, which is contrary, for example, when he says he sees us as righteous, as a righteous son and daughter, and we're like, oh, no, all the bad things I've done, there's no way that's God talking to me. And you're having a hard time or you may have a hard time even knowing that's God because your brain is saying there's no way. That's why the Bible says, do not be conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. By the word of God. The word of God. The word of God. The word of God. Remember, Jesus said to his disciples, the Holy Spirit's going to remind you, bring back to your remembrance the things that I've taught you. See, when we read God's word and we just read it and open our hearts and say, Holy Spirit, just teach me your word. At the time, it may not mean anything to you. How many of you have had this circumstance or this situation happen? You read the word, you read the word, and it's like, oh, that's, that's nice, that's good. And then later that day, something happens or someone asks you a question or, or some circumstance happens, and all of a sudden, the word that you read earlier, boom, comes alive. It's like, whoa, wait a minute. It's like the Holy Spirit illuminates that word that you deposit in your heart. He makes it come alive. And it, it seems to fit perfectly the circumstance that you find yourself in. That's a way, that's an example of how he speaks to us. But he speaks the language of his word. And one more thing I want to add. And when he speaks, he's going to lead you into love. So God's going to speak, the Holy Spirit's going to speak the language of his word, and he's going to lead you in the way of love. God is love, right? Remember what the, what the, uh, let's see, let me find that scripture. Mark 12, 28b through 31 you know, a guy was asking Jesus, what's the most important commandment? He said, of all the commandments, which is the most important? And Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord your God is one and only, is the one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. Another translation that says all the law is summed up in these two statements. Love God with everything in you and to love your neighbor as yourself. So you agree that those are the two most important statements as concerning the law, right? I mean, Jesus said it, so obviously we're going to agree. So I believe that when Holy Spirit speaks to you, when he leads you, when he's teaching you, he's guiding you, he's going to speak the language of God's word and he's going to lead you in the way of love. Either it's loving God, which may mean he may bring you under conviction because the sin that you are walking in dishonors God. And he says, son, we got to stop this. This is, not, this is not who you are. This is no longer your identity. You are no longer bound to this. I have set you free from this. 
See, he kind of talks like that sometimes. Well, he talks to me like that. So he's going to lead you in a way that's either going to move you towards loving God more or loving your neighbor more or loving yourself more. Does that make sense? So if you're wondering, is this God? Is this God? Kind of run to that test. First of all, is it in the Word of God? And does it go along with God's character that I'm learning from His Word? And does it lead me into love? Loving God, loving my neighbor, loving myself. And I believe if you run it through those filters, you'll be able to discern more, is this God or is this me? Because sometimes you get thoughts. Sometimes the enemy will give you thoughts. And it's like, is that God? Is that the devil or is that me? When you make a mistake and you hear, you idiot, that ain't God. Are you hearing me? Now, some of us can think it is because we agree with that because we feel like an idiot at the time. And so we can think God's calling us an idiot. That's not God. And that's why our thought process needs to change. That's why we need to be transformed by the way we think so that we can recognize when God's speaking to us. You know, think of a situation if you're at Walmart and you go through the line and you buy some groceries, buy some things, and then the lady, let's say you give her a $10 bill and she gives you change like you gave her a $100 bill. Exactly. So it's like, ooh. And all of a sudden you hear, you hear, you hear this. Haven't you been praying for more financial blessing? I'm serious. Haven't you been praying for more financial blessing? That thought comes. It's like, hey, the situation happened. I got more money than I, I came with. Haven't you been praying for more financial blessing? Well, that's true. I have been. This happened. That's got to be God. I'm so glad you disagree with me. I would have been a sad camper if you guys would have said, Amen. See, right there is an opportunity. Not for you to be blessed, but for you to love somebody. Because how is the Holy Spirit going to lead you? Hey, son, or hey, daughter, here's an amazing opportunity to love this lady. Say, hey, man, whoa, whoa, whoa. 80, whoa, what's this? And she's like, what, what's wrong? Say, hey, I only gave you a $10 bill. You're giving me way too much change. Oh, thank you so much. I would have got in big trouble. Thank you. Now, which one sounds more like Holy Spirit to you? Okay, you guys are making me happy, so good. But I, I remember, and the reason why I bring that up is because, one, that's a common thing that can happen. You know, you see somebody drop. Let's say someone is doing something, and you see them drop a $100 bill. You see them drop their wallet or whatever. And then you go pick the $100 bill up. And it's like, hey, I have been praying for financial blessing. And you know, there's even a scripture that says, God will transfer the wealth from the wicked to the righteous. <laughs> Hallelujah. So I even have scripture to back that one up. Are you hearing me? Now, as silly as that sound, don't people do that? You can find a scripture, taken out of context, you can find a scripture that will pretty much back up anything you want to do. And that's why it's important. God's going to speak the language of his word, but he's also going to lead you in the way of love. Now, if a lady dropped a $100 bill and I'm thinking, hey, I'm about to be blessed, and this poor lady needs that $100 to pay her electric bill, how's Holy Spirit going to lead me? We all know. We all know. And you get an opportunity to not only bless this person, but to encourage them. Say, hey, there are still honest people on this planet. There are people of integrity. 
people full of the Holy Spirit, full of integrity, that love Jesus and are following Jesus. Amen? You know, over the years, one thing I appreciate about him is, is he's so practical. And he's not just wanting to lead you on Sunday mornings between 10 and 12 in the morning. You know, during your worship, during hearing the word, or you serving in Sunday school, or, or however you're serving, he's with you. And Jesus didn't say, hey, Holy Spirit's going to come, be there a couple hours a week, but take advantage of him when he's there. He's going to be with you always and never leave you. He will be with us until we go to be with him forever. And everything that Jesus did and paid for and suffered, I don't think he just wants us to, to benefit from him, from Holy Spirit, every once in a while. I mean, imagine you were multi-cajillionaire, if that's a real number. And you had some people that you loved, and you said, you know what? Let's say they were, they were very, very poor, very needy. And you said, I'm going to set them up. I want them to be taken care of for life. And you set up a bank accounts for them to have each a billion dollars, let's say. And they should be able to live on that for the rest of their lives, I would think. And you, okay, so you, these people you love dearly. And all of a sudden you kind of checked in. And you saw one was homeless. It's like, wait a minute. Wait, what? And you go, hey, hey, niece, what's going on? Out on the street? She goes, yeah. He's like, did you not get the money that I put in your account? Yeah, but I don't feel like I deserve it. I don't feel like I've done enough to earn it. And so she lives in poverty. She lives on the street. She's hungry. She's cold. And that does not excite you at all because it's like, look, I don't care what you think. I want you to be taken care of. And then she would need to change her thinking. And see, a lot of times, which is kind of crazy, it's a crazy illustration, because a lot of people, you know they say statistically, can't remember the numbers, but people who win the lottery, the overwhelming majority of them, high statistically, will not only spend or lose all their money, but they will be worse off than they were before they won the lottery. And some people think, Get, let me try that. I'll show you. Because it's, the, it's a poverty mindset. See, it's not the money, it's the mindset. So a, poor, a person with a poverty mindset can be given a whole bunch of money but their mindset is still the same, and they don't even know how to handle that money. They waste it, they blow it, they spend it, they have fun for a season, and then it's gone. And then they're back and even worse than they were before they got that. And a lot of times us sons and daughters have a hard time get, grabbing a hold of what the Father has for us because of our unrenewed mind, our poverty mindset. We don't grab a hold of his benefits for whatever reason, whatever we're thinking. And that's why he says, son, daughter, your, your thinking needs to change. It has to change. The more our thoughts line up with him, the more we're going to be able to walk in the provision that he's made for us. Does that make sense? My phone keeps locking up on me. He's going to speak the language of God's word. He's going to lead you into love. You know, over the years, getting back to what I was saying earlier, how practical, Lord, how practical Holy Spirit is. For example, just the other day, uh, Ella knows I lost my credit card. Remember the church credit card? And I'd used it for, to help the young adults pay for rooms because last time I had it, and then it was gone. Poof, just disappeared. And I, I looked all over the living room. I looked in the couch, you know, looking in the cushions and all that kind of stuff. Couldn't find it. And I let two weeks go by because I knew as soon as I call this in and cancel this card, I'm going to find it. That happens. As soon as I cancel, yeah, cancel the card. I lost it. They cancel it. You'll get your next one in five to seven days. All of a sudden, oh, here it is in my pocket. 
doggone it, now it's, it's deactivated. And so I was holding off on getting this car, getting a new one, because I was hoping to find it, but I couldn't find it. And then it was getting to where I needed it. It's like, uh-oh, I need one. Don't know what to do. Need one. Well, anyway, I was sitting in my living room next to my wife, and the Holy Spirit said, stick your hand down the side right there. And I thought, I already checked down there. He said, stick your hand down there. I stuck my hand down there, and guess what? My hand landed on the card. Took me a while to get it up because it was, it was very narrow, but I got up, and there was the card. And he just said, stick your hand down there. Now, just stuff as simple as that, which I appreciate, and I'm sure we all appreciate, I believe he talks to us like simple stuff like that. And even I remember one time, one specific time, uh, years ago, when we had, I don't know if we had two, I think we had two little ones. Trey and Bryant were babies. And my routine when I'd come home, notice my routine, when I'd come home, I would walk in the door and I'd just go to the room and lay down. I just needed 15 minutes to do whatever I needed to do. And then I was ready to help Lisa do whatever I needed, she needed me to help her do. Well, when I went to my room, when I was walked in the front door and I walked past her, and I could tell by the look on her face that, uh uh-oh, my two little boys gave her a run for her money. It was one of those days, you moms know what I'm talking about. It was one of those days. And I'm thinking, oh, great, I don't want to deal with that. So I just act like I didn't notice. The the great husband that I am. And I went to my room and I plopped on the bed. I laid there and immediately the Holy Spirit I believe was him. He said, son, I want you to allow Lisa to go to Walmart. I'm not saying God endorses Walmart, okay? He said, I want you to let Lisa go to Walmart. He said that specifically. I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah, in a little while. He said, no, right now. I couldn't even wait 15 minutes. I just wanted 15 minutes. So I got up, went into the living room, sat on a chair, and then it, I could tell by Lisa's discouragement, just, just tired. She's just worn out by, I don't know, a one-year-old and a, just two babies. I can't remember how old they were. And I said, hey, how's it going? And she, you know, had a rough day. I said, why don't you just go to Walmart? And she started crying. I said, never mind, don't go to Walmart then. <laughs> I was just kidding. And... The reason why she was crying was because she said she had had a rough day. Told me about her day. Rough day, rough, 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 rough. And then she said, God, can I just get out for a while? Can I just go to Walmart? That's what she said. Can I just go? She didn't say IGA at the time. She didn't say Homeland. She didn't say go to the park. She didn't say go for a walk. She said, can I just go to Walmart? And then her daddy, who cares about her, says, son, let my daughter go to Walmart. Now, I said, yes, sir. And see, how that encourages me is because, one, he spoke to me specifically. He encouraged her and encouraged me at the same time. I remember a time I have, uh, for those of you who don't know, I have six children, five boys and one girl. My girl's the youngest. My oldest is 26. You think, 26, are you that old? No, I'm not. We were two when we had our first child. We adopted, okay? Come on, y'all. Okay. We're going to start no rumors. Anyway, so I have six children. And my oldest was 12 at the time. And I don't remember what it was about, what it was going on, but he and I were at a... Well, he was wrong, and I let him know he was wrong. It was one of those situations. He was being a kid, and... He got in trouble, and he went back to his room, or I sent him to his room. And it was one of those situations that it was kind of a gridlock. He was wrong, but he didn't see how he was wrong, and it was just, he was just locked in his stubbornness and all that kind of stuff. You parents understand what I'm talking about. And I was frustrated because I didn't know what to do, didn't know what to say. And the Holy Spirit told me, he said, go tell Trey this. And he gave me a script, and I don't remember what it is. She gave me a sentence, go tell Trey this. I said, okay, so I went in the room, opened the door. I said, Trey, he's like, what? <laughs> Doesn't that sound like a 12-year-old teenager? Or maybe it's more like, what? You know, he had, 
He wasn't 15. He was only 12. I to... But I said, Trey. He said, what? And I said, and I just told him the script. Whatever I told him, I said, da-da-da-da-da. And then I closed the door, and I went and sat in the living room. And within five minutes, he came out in the living room. He apologized, and he repented. It's like whatever I said to him, it hit his heart, and it just broke it wide open. And it changed the whole dynamic and whole atmosphere. And I've seen that over and over and over and over. And I was thinking about this this week, and I'm thinking, you know, when Holy Spirit engages me or talks to me or encourages me, it does one of those three things. It encourages me in my love for God, my love for people, or my love, or love for myself. And that's why it's important for you to hear him regularly. He has a lot to say to you about how he feels about you, and it's not what you're thinking. So you think you know what he thinks about you, but it's important for you to read and to listen to hear what he says, how he feels about you. You know, when I shared last week about when I was in, when uh, me and Pastor Dale and Teresa went to Africa, to Kenya, and then Joash asked me if I would preach at that funeral, and I was terrified beyond measure. I mean, I was just terrified. And you know, the Holy Spirit who loves me dearly, who cares about me, he didn't say, oh, son, I know this is too uncomfortable for you. I'll get you out of this. You don't have to do this. He didn't say that. When I was about to say, no, I can't do that, he reminded me, remember why you are here. He reminded me I was there to serve however I could serve. And then he didn't get me out of that situation, but he walked with me through that situation and I was able to overcome and be a blessing to people. And there are times in your life when he may bring you to the door of something and you're afraid. It's like, whoa, there's no way. There's no way. And you will not understand or experience the level of grace and reality that he wants to bring into your life unless you walk through that door. And see, many people, they won't do that. They stop and they say, nope, no thank you. And they turn and go the other way. Another opportunity, nope, no thank you. And they keep going. Because he's not going to make you do those things. He's going to invite you. He's going to tell you to, but he won't make you. We have free will, right? But when we honor him, obey him, and follow him, we're going to be amazed at what, comes, what we experience on the other side. Some of the most tremendously difficult challenges I've gone through, and I've walked with him through those things. One time I was being sued. I was in charge of this ministry. I was being sued. It was just crazy, chaotic. I was beginning to hate the people who were attacking. I mean the kind of hatred, and I'm not being funny when I say this, but kind of where my soul was, where when the Lord was encouraging me later to pray for them, I'm like, I don't want to pray for them. I want them to go to hell. And I was serious. My heart was at that place where I could care less. Matter of fact, I kind of preferred it. Have you ever gotten to a place where you had that much hatred in your heart? That's where I was. That's the level. And I was a minister in this church. I wasn't the pastor at that time. But my soul had gotten so close or in that place. And the Lord asked me, he said, son, would you like me to help you? And I said, nope, because I knew where he was going. And I didn't feel like loving nobody at that time. And I remember I came out of the room a second time, and he said, <laughs> he said when he asked me if I would like him to help me, and I said, no. I came through again, and he said, how's that working for you? Because how it was working for me was I was full of bitterness. I couldn't sleep. I was full of fear and anxiety. When I'd wake up at night, I couldn't go back to sleep, so I'd wake up at 3 in the morning and stay awake until it was time to get up, night after night after night. Every time I would think of the situation, my stomach would knot up. 
You guys know what I'm talking about? Anybody ever, you know somebody who's experienced something like that before? And I was just frustrated and angry. And the enemy knew all he had to do is get me to think about the circumstance or that situation. And my emotions would just tense up. And then the, the, uh, where your stomach just hurts and hurts and hurts. So when he said, when he asked, how's that working for you? I know what he meant. It's like, it ain't working for me at all. So it's like when he brought that reality, reminded me of that, I said, Lord, I, I need help. I need help. You know what he did? I went back in my room. He said, I want you to read Matthew chapter 5. I think it's verse 44. It's around there somewhere. And it's about loving your enemies. See, I was hoping he would give me strategy how we're going to take these people out. That would have been more exciting, but that was not what he had in mind. He brought me to the passage where Jesus said, you have heard it's been said that you're to love your neighbors and hate your enemies. But I say, it's like, come on, Jesus, do you have to go there? But I say to love your enemies. And then he, he goes on to say, here's how you love your enemies. You pray for them, you bless them, and you do good to them. I'm like, I don't know how to do that. Hoping I'd be the easy way out, but he didn't let me off the hook. And he began to show me, show me what to do. And he said, son, I want you to pray for them. Well, first he said, pray for them, bless them. And so for the next few days, number of days, I don't know if it went into weeks or I don't think it went that long, but several days, I prayed for them. Every time, he said, every time you think of the circumstances or situation, pray for them. So I did. I was thinking about it all the time, so I was praying all the time. Saying, God bless him, God, blah, 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 blah. And that's pretty much how it was. Blah, 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 blah. You know, like Charlie Brown, you know, the adults on Charlie Brown. That's how my prayer sounded. Wah, 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 wah. And I said, Lord, this is not working. And then he said, you remember the scripture that says, do unto others as you would have them do unto you? It's like he had to bring up his word again. He says, son, I want you to pray for them as though the roles were flipped and you were in their circumstances. So I began to pray for them and pray for them and pray for them. And it got to the place, literally, where when I would pray for them, I'd begin to cry on their behalf. I was pounding the floors and I said, God, have mercy on them. I pray that they know, they come to know who you are, that they come to realize and experience the purpose and plans that you have for their lives. God, have mercy on them. And I, I mean, tears and crying, gut-wrenching. I really wanted this. I really wanted it. And then I realized something that happened. Jesus says to love your enemies. We say that's impossible. Because we let our emotions and our, our intellect lead, and we say that's, that can't happen, and so we never, we don't go into that. I believe it's when we act in obedience first, because he said to, then everything else will come into alignment. What I experienced was that my emotions changed, and I literally fell in love with these people who were attacking me. I mean, I really had fond affections towards them, and I really liked them. In my soul. Now, I didn't have the ability to go talk to them because they didn't have the same affections towards me. But I found myself praying on their behalf, praying for them. And when I would think of them, I wouldn't get these anxious, gut-wrenching feelings. I had wonderful feelings. I realized, wow, that's how you love your enemies. I mean, really love your enemies. And guess what? When that was happening, the circumstances didn't change. I was still being sued. I was still having to go to court. I was still being investigated by DHS, Adult Protective Services. All that stuff was going on. But yet I found true peace and true love for my enemies. And then guess what happened? God changed everything. Boom. Judge ruled in our favor. They got nothing. We won. Is over. It was over. And that 
that was one of the most difficult things I've ever been through, one of the most. And that's one of those things that I would say I would never change that. Because I felt like, even though I was a born-again Christian, I felt like I was born again again because I got to experience the reality of the living God who walked me through the circumstance. And I realized you really can love your enemies if you follow Jesus. Listen to his Holy Spirit. Would you stand with me? I know I didn't get to number six, but we'll save that for another time. If you close your eyes with me, just put your hand over your heart. And what I want to invite you to do is just ask him to make you more aware of him. Holy Spirit, I just want to be more aware of you. I mean, he's already with you. He's already in you if you're born again. But just to become more aware of him. Begin to have conversations. And many of you have heard the testimonies of when I was failing calculus too. And he changed everything in a moment. I'm going to share that another time. But he's so practical. He's so real. And he wants to walk with us and do crazy, amazing, powerful things, not only in us, but through us, to be a blessing to other people. He's the reason you're going to do the greater works, the same works and the greater works that Jesus did. Him, through you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. So, Father, we just love you because you first loved us. Holy Spirit, just help us to be more aware of you. We thank you for hunger, more hunger for your word, that we can't get enough of it, Lord. And, Lord, your word says that your sheep hear your voice. So the fact that we're born again qualifies us to hear you. And so we just declare in Jesus' name, we come into agreement with your word. It says, we can hear your voice. And we hear it clearly. You're not a mystery. You don't make it difficult, Lord. We just need to come in alignment with you. And so, Father, I just thank you for your grace on our ears, your grace on our, our soul, our hearts, our lives to honor you, to bless you, to follow you, to hear you. I speak blessing on your people. Just encouragement, freedom. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, you guys have a wonderful week.